Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? The show where I will uncover the stories of domestic abuse survivors. I'm your host, Maya Hoover. So I'll just go ahead and jump into it and I'll kind of guide you and then you can have the, give me the answers that you have, okay? Okay, thank you. Hey guys, and welcome to What Was Her Name? My name is Maya Huber, and I'm the host of What Was Her Name? Um, today, I am um, on the episode with my guest, Melanie. Man, we didn't say how to pronounce your last name. How do you pronounce your last name, Melanie? Lipperulo, very Italian. Lippo, say it one more time. Lipperulo. Okay, I'm here with my guest, Melanie Lipperulo, and <laughs> I'm... Uh, yeah, I'm just really excited to get to talk to you today and hear your story. Um, I'm just going to jump into it and then we can just, I'll cut this part out here. Um, do you want to say anything before you get started? Like, I can yeah. just... Okay. Yeah, thanks, Maya, so much for your platform. I I recently found it and I've just really absorbed a lot of these stories. It's really impactful to hear your stories and women's stories here in this space. And I think a lot of us know there's a risk in sharing our stories. And so there's another layer of bravery and, um, you know, just highlighting these hardships that we walk through. And so I'm just so appreciative of what you do. Thank you. Yeah, no, thank you for saying that. I'm really glad that, um, yeah, that we're finally able to talk and I get to hear your story. I know we follow each other on Instagram and like I navigate through there, just like random little bouts of interaction, but I'm excited to hear your story today. Thank you. Okay. So the first question I always ask, um, I actually, I do want to know, um, how long have you, how old are you? And then how long has it been since you were out and how long approximately were you guys together for? Sure. Um, I'm 36 years old. I met him when I was, I think I just turned 21. Okay. Um, we have been separated since May of 2019. So we're coming up on five years. Um, and we were together for 10 solid years. Yeah. Okay. And how did you guys meet? Um, I started working at his, um, family's restaurant. Um, so we ended up, um, I had a boyfriend at the time, but when you work in a restaurant, you usually see those people very often. So we were just in close proximity a lot. <laughs> I had a boyfriend at the time and, um, him and I ended up breaking up just for our own reasons. And then, so this, um, my kid's dad was there and, ready and ready to date and it just got really intense and really serious really quickly yeah so we were really young he was not 21 um and so I was, I'm a little bit older than him and he bought a house really quickly and moved his friends in and then um one of the first red flags I should have known about but I wasn't aware of was he, him demanding that I moved in within two months of us dating or we were over. Um, and at the time I, I had a hard time with my dad and I's relationship and I grew up really Christian and I felt like, 
you know, there's like a natural progression of there's just time to find a man and be serious. And um, marriage wasn't on the table for us like it normally would be. But the love that I felt for him felt that way to me. Um, so because I felt I feel like I didn't have a belonging with my own dad within my own family, I think my heart just gravitated towards this guy who, you know, wanted me to live with him. And I felt like that was because of me and that was because we wanted to build a life together um but you know down the road it turned out he he kind of just wanted me to pay rent and he and I was his supply is what I learned later later on but yeah that's how I justified jumping on that train really really quickly and becoming really serious I was the only girl in that house for a while it was a party house of young guys um small town Mm -hmm. um girls in and out of it and it was hard to watch I'm not that kind of a person but I was so dedicated to the relationship that I excused a lot of things or I became like the house mom at that time and I was older so I was you know essentially I got to I guess I was able to buy the liquor so I didn't really realize that's what was happening at the time I was just my mind was just so into this guy so everything else was kind of like a blur about how can I you know, be involved and how can I be seen as like inclusive and how can I be accepted here? Mm. So he had a house and then, um, you know, a lot of things happened. I mean, there were red flags from the beginning, a lot of really hard things I shouldn't have ever stayed for, but um, there was a really difficult situation and I left the house um there were some threats from my from my family from him and his family um and so i left and so we broke up and i um i attempted to i, I attempted to get a restraining order actually not against him but about against his family and mm-hmm. uh, it, it was really serious right in the beginning right there's a sign of like wow that was really volatile and um, you should walk away from this. But he had ended up leaving that house and moving to, he wanted to move to New Mexico and called and, you know, basically said, hey, our problems were with the small town and with the people in it. And that's not the life we wanted to live. Do you want to try again? And I'm moving to New Mexico. And so I f- felt like, yeah, I agree with that. And so we moved and had this year in Santa Fe that was um, just us. And there was no outside, you know, opinions or stories or exes or anything. It was just us. And that, that was really actually really cool and really beautiful. And, um, you know, we still, there were still moments there where I should, I probably should have left if I would have known better, if I would have known the, um, you know, volatile nature that would come out. Um but I didn't. And I, I excused a lot of it. And I know now it's because of, um, I think my upbringing and how you are supposed to view a long-term relationship and how a woman is supposed to stay by his side and be supportive and kind of just like maneuver around, you know, whatever it is he's working through. And I think I put myself in that role willingly to be loyal to him. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so that excused a lot of the behavior. We went on a couple of really big adventures together, which, you know, if you do that kind of stuff, you it's either a make it or break it kind of thing. And so we stayed together through it all. 
Um, we ended up writing down the the 101, the PCH for like two and a half months. He was on a bike and I was on a moped. So we've, we've been through some stuff before we were parents. We, we chose to go on these crazy adventures and do these crazy things together. And I think that formulates, um, you know, whether it's right or wrong, it formulates a bond there. So by the time we became parents, we were five years in, you know, battled family, battled moving, battled um, really weird situations that we put ourselves in. So um, we were living in Southern California um, and became vegan and like healthy eating and talked about becoming healthy together. And um, I got off birth control there wasn't like a discussion to have a baby and I didn't think we would, but um, just to clean our systems out. So that's something we united on um, together. And then it got really violent in California. Um, we had an incident where the neighbors called the cops on us. Um, um, that was a really hard situation where I, I wasn't aware of it then, but now that I know now things about authority and, the system now I look back at it and I'm like that was really a rough situation because the police officers asked me everything about our situation in front of him which is really scary that's a really scary thing to do and then get you know essentially gave me back to him mm. um, and then it, it got worse after that um, you know he was exposed and he was um, you know he was called out and um, so as soon as that door our door shut from that incident it got worse from there um, I, I left and I stayed with some friends and then I decided to fly back home, um, just to get away, kind of get away and get clear minded. He had ended up following me and it was, it happened to be his birthday. And so we're like, what, six, seven years in it, you know, things get really blurry about things and how many times women have to leave before they actually leave. But it was like his birthday. So it was like, oh, well, we normally you know, go to a show or have fun or like do stuff together. So I think my, my um, brain wasn't quite like ready to be like, look at what actually had happened in that physically violent situation. But I, um, you know, we went and celebrated his birthday and I ended up pregnant, um, which to me, wasn't a discussion or it wasn't like, this is what our intentions were or, you know, this is, um, it was kind of like more of like a, a goodbye situation in a messed up way, but I ended up pregnant. So, you know, further down the road, when you're learning more about abuse, you realize, oh, like he did that on purpose, essentially. Um, my brain said, we're going to be a family now. Everything's going to be okay now. You know, I'm, I was um, 26 years old. It's time. This is the natural progression of the years we've, you know, put in together. So I think that was more of a survival brain than looking at reality, um, which I kind of get in trouble with, like my ideologies. So I'm learning that. But I so I was like, oh, we're going to be a family now. So I never questioned this baby. And I was like, we're together now. You know, we're back together now. Let's just forget the past and let's just move on. Mm -hmm. So we had a baby, a beautiful boy. Um, and it was, I had a home birth and he wanted that too. And it was um, really, it was really beautiful, but at the same time, it wasn't what I thought it should be like becoming a mother. Mm -hmm. When 
relationship. We were living at his parents' house. I didn't have my own space. Um, I, you know, plans about my life, plans about my future, plans about, you know, how I wanted to become a mother or live or, ha- you know, have any kind of future never was a discussion. It, it never, I, I feel like I was always his girlfriend and I, I supported him and whatever he wanted to do. And I had this baby with him and now I have a baby with him. And now, you know, that really solidified staying together. Um, when my son was one and a half, we decided to move to Hawaii and get a one-way ticket and go live on a farm. At the time, I felt like it was some, it's always something I've always wanted to do. So I felt this little glimpse of, oh, this is what I, you know, he heard me that this is what I wanted. He heard me that this was a dream of mine. So now he's ready to support this. But in retrospect, um, it was really actually a very isolating move. Um, to move away from our families and to move to a farm um, where we had never been before. I, I visited Hawaii a couple of times, so I knew I loved it. But just, you know, here we are with a kid planting ourselves in a farm that we don't know anybody. We don't know what we're doing. And it was just like, um, it was a lot. Uh, but we did it. And we we were there for three years, kind of kind of essentially stuck financially there because it was a work trade and he never felt the inclination to invest in anything or, or, or make better money. We're, you know, pushing 30 and it wasn't, it was very interesting how it kind of unraveled. I always knew he was a little bit of a rebel. I have that tendency as well, you know, learning about the system and food and um, the government. And so it kind of just snowballs into, um, a mindset of not wanting to do a nine to five job. Right. Or like, you know, I don't want to go work in an office building. So it just kind of was like, Oh, well, this is, you know, we're on the land, we're in the soil. Um, we're learning so many things that I never knew about, which was all great, but there was no discussion about how are we going to, you know, provide for our family in the future. Like we can't be here forever um, doing this. And it was really interesting to me. So I think my brain started to finally be like, what are we doing? Like, what, like we're not young and dumb anymore. We have a, and then we had another kid actually um, while we were in Hawaii. So we had, I had my second son there, free birthed him there, which was so beautiful and so empowering. When did you first notice that something was wrong? Um, I mean, I should have noticed it way earlier, but like I said, I, I really justified a lot of his behavior. Um, so when our second son was born, he, um, he ended up being really sick. And um, I, you know, I had another, I had a toddler and we were on an off-grid farm and there was community, but I still felt really isolated. And when our second son was sick, there was... Hawaii is really beautiful in the ways and the holistic ways that they like to approach a lot of the things. And I think that's really great. And I learned a lot. And so I tried a lot of acupuncture and cranial sacral and just trying to get these avenues for my son to see what was going on with him and how we could help him and just walk him through being newly born. And that's what he would have preferred. And I, he wasn't like this quite with our first son so something had pushed him further into this world of 
no interventions and um, a belief system that um, it's really interesting. It's really hard to, to like explain because he's just so different, but he essentially like adopted Rastafarian and mm -hmm. belief system is no medical interventions whatsoever. Mm -hmm. so, so that's where, you know, very serious, a very serious thing was happening in our family within our lives and we didn't have family around and I started to realize how strongly he felt about this kind of a thing whereas we never had this kind of discussion right I wasn't fully on board with I'm not not having interventions I'm okay with home births and you know certain things and like learning it and you know really not like just being a part of the system as much as we have to be. However, I'm not on board with not doing anything at all. So that's where like really started to switch because I ended up demanding that my son go into the hospital. I knew something was wrong with him. We had to go to several visits and it was a lot of fighting po immediately postpartum with a sick baby and we had a toddler and we didn't have money. Um, and so because I pushed for that, I they did and he did end up being really sick and he really did need um, some serious interventions, which ended up unfolding his dad. Um, and that's where like the really big switch happened between the, him and I. I realized I have to protect these babies. You're not going to. Yeah. And, and that's not really something like you would even think to talk about <clears throat> prior to being in a relationship with somebody. So for you, when you heard that initially, um, did you feel like if you were to push back on that, that there would have been like a further repercussion or did you like, did you feel like you could voice at that time? Like, I don't really know if I agree with this entirely. Yeah. Um, good question. I think my mama bear kicked in. I think I, we lasted for so long prior because I learned to be quiet and I learned, um, you know, I'm still a strong woman. I'm still, you know, I'm Italian and I'm Scorpio and, you know, I can, and that's part of what he was attracted to in me. But when it was against him, you know, of course that's where the violence happened. Um, so I think because I was mama bear, um, it overrid a lot of what I thought he would do or not do. I, I almost like didn't care. And, when I I demanded these things, you know, unfortunately, I did have to demand it. Yeah, which you don't talk about. How are we going to do medical interventions if we have a baby who's sick? You don't talk about it. So you're in the thick of it. And then you're like, oh, we have very differing opinions on how to handle this. Um, I thank goodness I overrid my fears of him and pursued this with my kid. But it uh, it did create that separation just even emotionally and there was some physical abuse um just really shaming me and really belittling me and then it turned into like he wouldn't listen to anything I had to say because if I was willing to take my kid in and put him in the hospital then you know I'm not supportive of anything about him so why would he grant me the opportunity to have an opinion in our relationship and within our family if I'm the one who's doing it wrong. Does that make sense? It does. You said something that I wanted to backtrack on. You said that you realized like 
to almost be agreeable was safer than to speak out, mm-hmm. even if get approval from others. Mm-hmm. And do you think that what like what is your take on that sentence or that that viewpoint now? I think it's systematic for a lot of us, honestly. I think um I think we're seeing I mean we're seeing that in the court system even, right? Like they're silencing women mm-hmm. who are speaking the truth and they're threatening and even a threat will keep us quiet. So I think that on a micro level within our own relationship, it was to that, it was like that. And so if I if I had ruffled, you know, ruffled the feathers or rocked the bow, I wouldn't have had a place to live. I wouldn't have had a man who at least said he loved me. Mm-hmm. You know, I the babies come you're like what am I going to do now like you know you're just not ready you're not ready for the repercussions so I think comboed with um and you talk about this some but comboed with that if you grew up religious or in a Christian community you really were you really are told to be submissive and you really are told to be by his side and and support him and kind of just um you know, be quiet. So if you're with a man who catches on to that or or he preyed on you because he saw that in you, whatever way it was, you you can justify in a really messed up way, you can justify that he's the leader, even if he's not a good one, and I'm the submissive partner, and I wouldn't have these things provided for me if I chose to speak up. Hmm. Right. So maybe like more like a self-preservation in order to be loved. Right. Yeah. And so like coming full circle, though, to the point that you're at now, what like I mean, what would be your view on that stance that you had back then, though? Like, do you still think that or do you feel like in some ways that's shaped you and you are different now? Mm. Let me see. Um, I ask this because I also, I could really resonate with what you're saying. And I learned at a very like young age that the people who always had the most friends in school were people who really didn't like speak their mind very much. And they didn't really like call people out or disturb the peace. They were very agreeable and they got along with everybody and so I was like, I just need to not speak out about things because I I think I've always been opinionated since I was a little kid. That translated into my romantic relationships and dynamics because that that like belief that I had formed then was bleeding into my romantic life, right? And I was like to keep a man to stay around, not even just that, but like to avoid having any type of altercation or consequence, I was going to keep the peace. And I thought, well, once I left, that that wasn't me anymore. But then I realized in even daily life, I was still carrying that belief around. And I think a lot of us do in people pleasing in general, where we're like, be agreeable, don't really speak up about things. It's better to appease people right? Then to speak your mind. And um, I'm still working on this. So that's why I'm just curious if you feel like that's changed for you. Yeah. I like, I like all of that, that you said. I think that's so important for a lot of us. I think 
Um, for me, I don't think anyone in my life would say that I'm agreeable necessarily. And I'm not a people pleaser. I've always had that in me. I've always challenged, not in a, you know, not a totally rebellious way. Like I didn't go off the rails or anything, but I would push a lot of boundaries in high school, um, growing up. And even, you know, with a, a few like casual boyfriends, I think that they would agree that I challenge a lot of things for some reason with him. I don't know how really I, I am so far out of it. And I'm still like so confused as to why I bent so far that way to be with him. I think he offered a grounding and a calm and a, um, because he was so, mm, people wouldn't describe him as um, a grandiose narcissist in any kind of way. They wouldn't even describe him as a narcissist because he plays it so well. He plays it so quietly. He's a very, um, I don't know. I know him differently, but I think people would say he's humble and he's, you know, easygoing and he's chill. And that's what, that's what you see in him. So I think because I felt like I was the opposite, that his nature was healthier than my rebellious, you know, call, calling things out nature. And I, I was at a point in my twenties where I wanted to kind of harness that a little bit better. And right. I think I got him right where I was like, well, there's somebody who's got his, got it grounded and so I, I allowed his personality to overpower mine. And so, you know, as we know about, especially course of abusive relationships, it takes time. Like it's, and so like I, I put 10 years in and it was 10 years of this, that it cultivated this. Um, I mean, I've been in really intense therapy for five, six years. And we talk about this a lot, what it does to the brain and how I submitted myself essentially him um I think because I was trying not to call it out now it's manifested now where I I was so quieted and I was also very much quieted by his father um and by the man we worked for in Hawaii um so there was male role there's male models I'm not going to call them role models, but there were, they had, there were heavy presence in my life um, that made me feel small and made me want, made me be little. And, you know, there was a lot of like, you're not educated, you're his girlfriend. Um, you know, you, you don't know what you're doing, little girl, be quiet and sit down. There was a lot of that pushback against my own nature. And I think that's where it developed where I was like, just be quiet you know, just go along with this. So it's not in my nature to be a people pleaser. And it's not in my nature to not call out the truths. But it, it, it came down really heavily for me in those dynamics, to the point where I yeah, I really had to take on like, don't rock the boat. And I think because a lot of threat and a lot of physical violence and a lot of like, what would I do without this scenario was put on? Yeah, dang. Yeah, I think that's interesting to just like look back and be able to like see all those ways in which like maybe you got squashed. Um, and <clears throat> that's why like I love the unsquashing, which is what I'm always like talking about here in this space is like unsquat like the unsquashing and becoming unsquashed by men who 
right? Squash us. Um, so I think in some ways that was a squashing for you because that's innate and within who you are, but was made small to, I don't know, keep love maybe. Right. And if we have, if we don't feel love at home, then I think we can justify a lot of that and, mm -hmm. and, and adapt ourselves however we need to, in order to still be loved by a man. Mm -hmm. Right. And mm -hmm. well, it's like, as soon as I was coming out of that and starting to heal from it and set boundaries, I had to set some really firm boundaries, right. When we split up with the kids too, before we went to court and, um, you know, none of them liked it, but I, I was walking into this where I'm like, I'm not with him anymore. I get to protect my children. What are my rights? I'm going to do it. I'm going to set these firm boundaries. I did. And it was, we had a, we had about 15 months away from him and his family and we healed and we became stable. And, um, you know, I did a lot. I did, I, I was homeless for a little bit, but then I found a place. And so, and I built my business. I started my business and the COVID hit. So it was a lot going on, but those, months that I got to just put a huge wall up for a lot of reasons. Um, the boys and I, my kids and I got such clarity and healing and sleep and the chaos had like gone away. And so it was like, okay, this is what it feels like. Not that I wanted that. I just, I was, I had to do that um, with him and his family. Um, and it was like, okay, like, this is what it feels like. So here's clarity. Like here's finally where clarity could formulate. And then um, yeah, they hired a private investigator to find us and served papers and we got into the court system and I immediately felt like I was like, I was back in that kind of abusive relationship, being told to be quiet. My emotions are too much. I'm not allowed to protect my children, um, give him more benefit of the doubt. It was so interesting to have, to have so many years of that and then to come out of it, to find my voice, to find my boundaries to see the clarity it gets and then to get put back in it in a much worse way. Right. Um, really the biggest, my second son was a newborn and he was sick and his lack of even having a conversation about how should we approach this? You know, can we combo this holistic and that, um, Western, you know, what, what suits our values as a family? Cause at that point we were right. We were like seven, eight years in, so we should have had family values together. And, um, he crumb he really crumbled, he one crumbled and two, I think he lost, he felt like he had that loss of control. So he chose to do that, um, physically. So at that point, there was, I think a lot of some women on your podcast talk about, um, you know, sexual coercion or, um, well, I provide for our family. So you need to do this. And it was right in postpartum, you know, my son is sick. And so that's how it manifests. I think his control, um, because he, I think he learned he couldn't control how I was going to handle our sick son. Um, he controlled me. He tried to control me. He, um, uh, I, had, I had a very strict diet and a very strict lifestyle and that all came from him and shaming me out of wearing makeup or 
buying shampoo and conditioner, just little things like that. Or like he would be the one to go get the groceries or farm the food and cook because then he could control what I was eating. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was so lost in mother, you know, the, this mother stuff that I was just like, okay, that's fine. That works. And I understood the value of healthy food, but I didn't really realize I wasn't getting the nutrition I actually really needed, especially as like a breastfeeding postpartum mom and a woman. Um, so yeah, so sorry. That was a combo of there was physical, there was sexual, and then there was like lifestyle control over me. Yeah. Do you want to walk through a couple of them, like more in, a little bit more in depth? Is that okay? Yeah. I mean, yeah, there was a time where I think it was just in the middle of all of that, figuring out that my son and um, he had, he was yelling at me so hardcore that I was like in the fetal position on the floor. We had like a 10 by eight screened in cabin, definitely all Hawaii style. Um, small space to ourselves otherwise everything was community and I was just like in the fetal position and I think I was having a panic attack um and my kid my kids were there and he was just berating me um I don't even exactly remember what I just remember the emotion of it and I remember like like I'm so tired of this I'm so I can't like I don't know what to do but like I'm so tired of this this has to be over soon um, that was a really big moment in my mind. Um, my pregnancies were very planned by him, to be honest, um, which is really hard to say. I love my children. I'll keep my children every day. But to he told a friend that, too. He impregnated me to keep me, hmm. um, which is really it's a, that's a really hard thing to wrestle with. Right as a woman, you want your babies, you love your babies. Like I birthed my babies the way that I wanted to. I, I'm everything because of them, but to know where they came from and that it wasn't my choice. Mm -hmm. um, and it was meant to, to be an attachment to him forever. That's a really difficult thing to wrap your mind around. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think we see and hear a lot of women in this space who talk about that. And it's something that I think is really challenging, even when you're in the middle of it, because like, I remember at one point, I remember just always being pushed to like, not have a condom. It was like a big thing. Like, it felt better to not have a condom, which like, okay. But also like raising a kid, I wasn't on birth control because he didn't believe in birth, birth control. And so, <laughs> and he didn't want to use a condom, you know? And so it just was like these pressures and looking back now, I mean, it really did trap me. And like you said, like, I love my kid. Like I wouldn't change it for the world because I love my kid. But I think that that's something that maybe isn't thought about as much. I think when you're in the middle of a romantic relationship, because it's not always bad, there are good experiences. The idea of having a family, if that's something that you, that's a positive thought for you, like it's exciting to think about having a family with your, you know, person. However, like mm -hmm. you're experiencing control and you're, you're experiencing like abusive behavior. 
adding a child into the mix is not beneficial for you or for your child, right? Because you're just further. And so men do impregnate women to keep them stuck. That is a real, a very real thing that, that men do. And if we're not like aware of that and keeping things in place, like I tell friends that I know are in abusive relationships and keep going back, I'm like, you know, get on birth control, like make sure that the condom's not broken, like just do those things because I don't want to see you in a situation where, I mean, it's, it's harder to, to be post-abuse with children. It's hard. It's hard irregardless, but having children is a gift. It's beautiful. However, like when men use that to leverage more control over you, it's a very real thing. And it's very important to be cautious of that and be aware of that. Mm. I love that. You know that. And I love, I mean, sorry, let me backtrack. I don't love that. You know, this, but I love, are aware of it and you can speak it towards right because we can't pull our friends out of abusive scenarios we know as we know but we can say from my story here's how you can further protect yourself whereas I never I never had no one ever told me that and both conceptions of both of my sons came after some really bad fights with me giving him what he wanted after these really bad fights in order to keep the peace, in order to say, okay, or, or like, you know, when they push you so far away because they're fighting with you so bad or they're speaking so horribly to you or even hurting you, you, you you're in a cycle where you crave the connection that you had, right? And you, you, so you get into a position where you're like, well, let's, you know, essentially it's not said this way, but let's just have sex. That'll make everything better. And that's when I conceived and there's a lot of grief there's still a lot of grief that I wrestle with in that I watch these beautiful families who plan and you know have these beautiful discussions and they you know plan years in advance or just everything about their health and timing and finances and marriage or how you know anything and I'm just like heartbroken because I love how beautiful and intentional it is but for myself I'm like I I feel like I had the opposite which is really hard to wrestle with when it comes to your children. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think like some may think that it's like paranoia to like go the extra length to have those precautions in place, but it's not Um, because there are week after week, like mother after mother on this podcast talking about the thing that's happened to them. So I think it's something that we can use and, and share and, um, yeah, something you just wouldn't think, um, to do, um, unless you've gone through it. Um, I know that you said that there, if I'm correct, you said that there was some like sexual abuse in there. Is that correct? Mm, It was coercive. Okay. Okay. So him, like forcing you into having intimacy with him right it was what is um the best way I can describe it the quickest way would be like you know your love languages right and when <laughs> you're trying with some a partner especially for so long and you're like you know let's go to counseling let's try this let's read this book and when we when I was like hey let's look at these love languages and you know because obviously we're not getting along so how can we get along better and <laughs> The amount of thing ammo that I ended up giving him trying to make our relationship work is, you know, we know it's like it's really mind blowing. 
But for me to say mine's quality time and his obviously would be physical um, touch. Mm -hmm. um, I would get in these arguments with him because he would ignore me or not talk to me or punish me for si in silence for days and days for something that I did. And I, you know, beg and plead for him. Like, I just, can you just talk to me while we do the dishes while we're, you know, out there on the land while we're doing stuff with the kids. Can you just talk to me? Because that helps me know you're here. And then that helps me, you know, be able to be warmed up enough to be able to want to have sex with you at the end of the day. Whereas right now I'm just like mad and bitter and I mommed all day and you come home and you don't say anything and you then expect me to just have sex with you because you went and worked all day. And so I try to have these conversations. He's like, yeah, but mine is physical touch. So we have to ha have closeness before I can then be there for you, you know, and talk to your heart. And so he justified it as my needs need to be met first and then I can meet your needs. And I remember, you know, when it was really bad in the thick of it, essentially, I just was just like, okay, so you're telling me that you want to fuck the girl and then you want to take her to dinner? That's your logic? Right. Because that's not... Wow, we're, and that was like a, a huge switch in my brain where I was like, that's what's happening. Mm. Um, and I and I just I think a lot of what was happening in my life and things I was exposed to and being a mom at that moment, just I I just had a breakthrough where I was like, oh, that's what's been happening is I've been giving in to his needs first in hopes that afterwards I will have my needs met, usually that's not the case right once they're good they're good they're moving on with their life mm. um so I realized I was sacrificing a lot of like how I could have be comfortable with him and be safe with him and feel consensual with him because I would just be like yeah he just needs that first and then I can have mine mm. does that make sense yeah 100% no it does um yeah and like intimacy should be chosen there should be freedom within intimacy not coercion and that's that <laughs> like you know it's really as simple as that um but so that's question of like do we i feel like this is like a really common thing men and women almost differ from is like well i'm a man and i'm primal and i have my i need to have my needs met and um, in order to meet you there and then we're like and it's just all you know it's all proven but we women need our hearts spoken to we need to feel safe we need to feel secure and that takes investment in communication and in and mostly safety and safety was is a big theme in my life um in order to get there so I feel like we're just always entangled in this who's first yeah you know? I mean I do think like I I'm definitely not like a I'm not super I think I don't I don't know if I have all of like the wise words for this but I from my own my own thought I think that like a, a good man like a man who loves you and who has integrity isn't going to be interested in coercion I just don't think they are I think that they can have these desires and they can have these, you know, instinctual like desires to write, to have sex, to have that intimacy. Whereas like 
and not for not all right some women can even have a higher sex drive than a man but typically i've seen many women who their heart isn't being met so Mm -hmm. they're not able to be intimate or they're choosing to be intimate but they're not really present and their minds Mm -hmm. are else and they're just kind of giving up their body for the sake of appeasing and not having them ask again you know but I do think that like I just think that like someone with integrity isn't going to coerce you and is going to be even if like like let's say you're like 30 years down the road and you're married to somebody and things are just not as like exciting anymore and you maybe they've they've forgotten to you know love you in the way that your love languages maybe prefer and they're doing it in a different way um I think that can be built but I think it's really sticky when men have this like viewpoint that to be intimate is a prerequisite for them loving you the way that you mm-hmm. I totally agree with you I, I totally feel that I want to offer this this bit real quick um and maybe you'll want to touch on it another time um but it fits in really well right here is um because of this experience that I had um you know this long-term very invested relationship that I you know built my 20s um and then the healing that I've done afterwards from it which is a whole nother thing it's a whole I had to go on an intense healing journey after getting out of that relationship um and my therapist has been involved and I've been very intentional about very slowly getting back into dating. Um, I recently encountered someone who offered my love language first and spoke to me and provided um, at this point, I know just promises, but safety and being seen and being heard and being just, um, you know, I got to have this experience with him that I'd been craving that I knew wasn't happening prior in that first in the other relationship, but I knew I'd been working on and studying for of, but a, where I'm at, when I, where I want, where I want to be sexually as a, you know, an aging woman. And now that I have kids and now that I've had trauma, this is, you know, this, this, and this, whatever's on my list is what I want met in order to have a wonderful sexual experience where I can feel safe and I know that it feels safe so I had that um and he was so good at it and I you know wept and I healed and there was so much beauty in it I'd never been seen like that before um but it's so it's an interesting story because it turns out that he like genuinely did that on purpose just to plant another seed in me and dip out so I'm currently pregnant and still single and without a partner. Mm-hmm. And it's a really good thing because of that, because of that dynamic there of like I knew what I knew what a terrible sexual experience was and control and giving into things I didn't want. And then I and then I got a glimpse of what it could be and what I've been working towards and what I wanted. And it still didn't turn out how one he promised and two like you know it should turn out Mm. so so it's really hard out here it's really weird out here and and my healing journey took a huge um not a halt but I it made me a lot more confused about what am I working towards and what did I heal from and 
why, you know, and what did I do wrong? And how come I didn't see the red flags after all this learning? I mean, <clears throat> thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I think that the, you're asking the wrong question. I think the question isn't like, what am I missing? Why didn't I see these red flags? I think that it's really like, what am I going to do now that I have this information? Because you didn't have that information yet. All that you were doing was going along with the information that you had at that present time. And I can deeply resonate to an extent, not entirely, but just with giving someone a chance, thinking that it is something that it really wasn't, and then getting totally slapped when you're like, this is not even, this is like, I did not see this coming. This was like, you're supposed to be a good one. Um, and they're not. And then you blame mm-hmm. because you're like, well, shit, like if I can't see it, am I ever, am I ever going to be able to trust somebody? And is my intuition just fucking broken forever? Um, and I, I think some of this like ties into like our bodies and learning how to listen to our bodies and honor our bodies and what we value. But I also think sometimes it really is just like people don't give us the information that we need at the times where they should. And we can only work with the information once we have it. And it sounds like he didn't give you the information that you deserved and needed, but like now, so you can't beat yourself up for things that like you literally didn't know. Mm. I feel like, I mean, it it was a lot, it was really soon, but I feel, yeah, I I feel like there's a huge lessons here. Right. And, um, it's a hard one for me. I, I've listened to your episodes where it's like, listen to your body about it, which is so difficult for me in this situation because my body screamed. Yes. And my, you know, I, I know so much about him in such a short period of time that it was like, wow, this is what I've been praying for. This is what I've been manifesting. This feels right. So there's this really interesting, not betrayal of myself, but just more of, I think what I've come to lately is just more like, there really are a lot of really crappy men out there. And I think the good, I think there's still good ones. I'm not giving up. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm such a romantic still, but I think mostly there's more crappy ones. And so what I've kind of told myself is like, you're just going to hit those ones a lot more frequently than you're going to hit the, um, the good, you know, the, those good ones. And hopefully that'll be the end of it one day. But um, I also, with my therapist re- recently finally was said, after everything with the first dad and after everything, all that, and and even the mental and the emotional and the physical and the sexual, everything. And then what I've worked on in the last four years and then walking into dating very intentionally and this scenario that happened, I have to tell myself with him, with this recent one, I, I had a moment where it was like, I'm either completely shut off in my heart and I have to be, because he, the previous one ruined it so deeply for me, or I have to walk in and choose this with an open heart. It was just like this moment in myself that I had to say, are you going to lean into possibility in spite of your trauma? Or are you going to be closed off? Because if you're closed off to him and what he's offering you before I knew you know, the truth, or if you're closed off to this now, you're going to be closed off. Why would, I would almost beg to, to ask the question, why did you feel closed off? Because yes, 
we're closed off because there's fear, right? Of getting hurt and experiencing what we've experienced in the past. But Mm -hmm. sometimes I think that situations can look a certain way on paper with the information we have and we can feel closed off and then almost unintentionally gaslight ourselves into out a situation because it makes sense versus like maybe sometimes it really is just like your body is closed off because your body is sensing something that you don't have that information yet I think with this scenario um I wasn't I think I say that because I was like looking back at like if I didn't give him the chance and I didn't lean in then the only alternative would have been I had to tell myself no but Mm -hmm. my body at the time with him and what he offered me there was nothing in me that said no other than the timing other than it was really quick um I knew him very quickly and I leaned in very quickly to him and what he was offering and what we talked about and how we connected um So that's a point where I'm like, I should have given it more time. I should have waited for more consistency from him in order to have. But other than that, there was nothing. There was no red flags for me. And there was nothing in my body that 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 I fought against in order to be with him. Does that is that coming off? Like there was the only that I if I were to dissect it was like, you should have given it more time. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I still stand by the fact, though, that like you just didn't have the information that you needed. And I think it's scary. And I agree with you. It's really tough out here. I posted something the other day and I was like, it's a war zone out here Um, because I just feel like more than not, I'm running into these guys who are just like assholes and they seem really great at first. And then I start to get to know them and I'm like, oh, you're not actually anything that you said. But the more that I've honored my body, like when Caroline used to say like to honor your body, I'm like, what does that even mean? What does that even look like? Um, It took me like a full year until finally I started in dating, um, recognizing what I value and then walking away from people as soon as that they did something that I didn't value. And that sounds very extreme, but I needed to do that. And Mm -hmm. now it's like, I've been able to find better judge, like better judgment and not, not walk away as fast. But she said something that was like, so interesting to me. She said that every time that she walked away, even if it was early on, she was never wrong. And Mm. something always ended up coming up like later on that she found out or whatever that kind of like verified that for her. And when they came back, it just like, wasn't right. And so I think maybe even in dating for you or for people who are listening, like as you're dating, like, let's say you're online dating and you have these values set in place. They say something, it rubs you the wrong way, walk away from it. And you're like, but I really liked him, but he's like really cool. And he has like all these qualities I'm looking for walk away. Why? Because something in your body, something that they're doing isn't aligning with you. And it feels extreme because what if it's the right person? The romantic in us says, what if this is my person? Or what if I lose out? You're not going to lose out on what's meant for you Mm -hmm. and walk away from it. And if it's meant for you, it'll circle back around. Um, And now since I've done that so rapidly, repeatedly, Mm -hmm. it's for me when I'm dating to 
start to say, okay, is this a situation where I need to walk away or not? But it took me needing to trust myself that like every time that I fell backwards, I was going to catch myself. Mm. Well, that's dating, right? Okay. Two things to that. I love that. And I did listen to that episode. I loved your guys' conversation on it. Two things to that. One is what I hear from it is, um, and this is a theme that I talk about with my, my single mom friends, especially who grew up Christian is there's this really hard part of us that was taught to give a lot of grace and have a lot of compassion for people's stories. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where baby daddy number one came in um, with the 10 years, because I felt like he had a lot of abuse and trauma in his past. And I could, I gave a lot of grace to his behavior because of that. Mm-hmm. When I should have learned, you know, I should have learned, but, and if I had dated, I think when I was younger, before I got serious with anybody, I think if my dad let me date and I didn't have purity culture um, going on and I had the experience to date, then I would have learned that better, that deciphering, that my own intuition, right? I think I got, I think I completely bypassed that back then. And so I think that was a huge part of why I justified a lot of that behavior for those 10 years. But then coming in now where I'm in my 30s, I've learned a lot. I was single for four years. Like I didn't, I did not, I think I dated one person for like two months and then not, what, nothing serious. I, w- I had so much healing to do. I had to raise my babies. I had to protect my babies. I had to work on myself. I had to learn to trust myself. I studied so hard on all of it. And then, like I said, I just got into dating just this last year. And I did and very intentionally try, try to date casually. I like this. I don't like that just jump off it quick Mel like you don't need to justify anything don't be the night you know don't give them a chance if there's one thing so I felt like I had that a little bit of that experience in my 30s as a single mom which is all the layers um so when this guy came around it it wasn't any of that so I'm so confused because I'm like what did I miss I I I know myself, I know my intuition, I can justify, or not justify, but I can um, very be very intentional about things. And especially because I was, thank goodness, had that experiences, those experiences where I got to casually date for a little bit, just for myself, and just to see where I was, I mostly like observed how I handled it and how I walked away. And when I walked away, that this guy was so good at what he did. And he was intent, he was more intentional about what he, he's a, women's empowering life coach so he knows the language he knows body language he knows exactly how to talk to us you know he played all the cards my therapist and I was like when in the beginning I'm like either this is it like either this is what I've manifested and prayed for and I'm so excited or he is so good at what he's doing and so we were more like let's see how it goes like let's watch it how it goes and it turns out he was so good at what he was doing and that that's where I, I would want to use that word backtracking myself where I'm like, where, what should, you know, where should I have learned th- this? And, you know, cause I want to take responsibility where I need to take responsibility as much as I think he was, you know, a liar and a facade and he did so good at what he was doing mm-hmm. to, to get on in. I still want, I was still, and I don't know what to say because I still feel like all these, you know, just like you said, like when we listen to our body and when we date m- more and when we get out there and we expose ourselves and bring it back in and, you know, just don't give the grace and bring it back in. 
it's like I did that and this this situation presented itself to me. I don't know what the story is here. This baby obviously wants to be here and I'm allowing it. And I and I'm very excited for it. It's a very interesting story, but if I look at the the man, the man aspect of it, I'm not sure what happened. I don't know where I um other than the time back to just like other I should have just given it more time and I should have um I should have allowed him to be more consistent with what he was promising before I um I was even intimate with him at all mm. I think better answer I think <clears throat> I think that it's challenging that like trusting our bodies and our intuition and then trusting love is like being able to dive into love again is very brave. And mm. I think that there is so much courage in doing that. And I think that I really like how you're asking yourself some of these questions, because I think that like, that shows me like, and that's how very similar to how I am as well, where I'm like, where can I grow in this? But I remember really racking my brain. And I still do sometimes with my most recent relationship the last year where I'm like, what did I miss? Mm -hmm. Then seeing areas in which like, I, I can see it now. I didn't see it then, but for you, I think like, I don't, I don't think, I think sometimes like shit really does just happen. And that's not like a helpful thing to hear because it's like, well, yeah, I know that I get, that's why I'm saying this, but it's like, I, I just think sometimes people are shitty and they lie and they put on a facade and like, there's not really like much we can, we can do about that. Like we can have our values set in place, honor our bodies and our intuition. I think sometimes it really is just like, somebody wasn't completely honest with us or transparent about who they were and then maybe setting up different parameters and boundaries in the future moving forward um from what you've like gathered from this that you think you would do differently next time you know right which which like my therapist because she knows me and I'm like looking for the answers and I want to know where my part was in this so I can learn to do better next time and you know, growing up Christian too, where you're told like, you know, you're kind of taught bad things happen because you didn't make good choices or karma even, right? Like, where is my karma in this? Why did I deserve this? And she just has to really repeat to me, like, sometimes trauma really is random. Like sometimes there's no, you can't look back and say, what did I do to, to deserve this? Sometimes it just, it really does just happen. And you know, there are lessons in it and that, and good, you're looking at it, but, and we can look at it, but she just really has to remind me not to go to that dark place where I'm like, why did I, why did I deserve, you know, what did I do? What did I do wrong to be here? Mm -hmm. But they're just, you know, like, kind of, like I said, like, there's just a lot of really shitty men out there. And the ratio I think is just higher with shittier ones. And we have to be really discerning and you know, I'm going to learn that for the future, but we, you know, my therapist and I laugh at, it. I'm like, what is this poor next guy to come in now? Like after that, like how, what am I, what chance am I going to give him? Poor guy, I'm going to put him through the ringer. But I, because of the two and because of my kids now, and now, you know, I'm going to have another one. I have to, I have to set this bar high. I have to set my standards and my requirements so freaking high 
And I do believe there will be the right one to to genuinely and, and with integrity work his way in. I'm not not hopeful, but it's going to be really difficult moving forward. I'm, you know, I'm not going to give as much grace. Mm-hmm.